All right. Well, good afternoon, apes, and happy Thursday here today. It is Thursday, December 21st, 2023, and most importantly, happy winter solstice to everybody out there who celebrates the changing of the seasons here. Uh, definitely a fun time of year for the changing of the seasons and everything. It is officially winter after today. That means today is the longest, or excuse me, shortest day of the year, longest night of the year, at least for those of us up here in the Northern Hemisphere. So happy winter, everybody. We're getting closer to the holiday seasons and most importantly, closer to the new year. So you have an excuse to be drunk for pretty much all of next week, as long as your employer doesn't expect too much from you. So definitely best of luck to everybody out there who's existing through that. Hopefully you come back ready in the new year and aren't too hung over. But that's not what we're talking about today. Today we have daily peel number 611 to go through here. Can you believe it's been 611 editions? I certainly can't, but we're excited to get into things. Uh, markets today are off to a fairly strong start after yesterday's complete crash out of nowhere. It was a little bit random, but hey, we lived through it. So what we're going to be talking about today is some housing data that we got yesterday. Of course, going over some stocks as well. We got some big moves over in digital asset land with Bitcoin as well as Bitcoin-related stocks. But then Google also had a fairly solid day as well, despite giving out barely any detail whatsoever on what they were talking about. Investors got pretty hyped up, while CRISPR and uh, CRISPR Therapeutics, along with Winnebago, the RV company, basically both had pretty garbage days, definitely declining more than the overall market. But certainly the moves by the overall market didn't help out too much. And then, of course, we have our second official platinum banana of the year. You guys can see what's going on there. We're going to get into that more down below. Let's go ahead and talk about what happened in markets yesterday. All was fine and dandy. You know, we opened higher. It was a fairly decent session. It was somewhat choppy. Wasn't a whole lot going on as there wasn't a lot of news driving things. And then bang, out of nowhere, one or two o'clock in the afternoon, everything kind of fell apart. Nobody was too exactly clear on what happened here, but obviously people are throwing throwing shit against the wall and see what sticks in terms of theories. I just wanted to highlight this Bloomberg article headline. I don't have a Bloomberg subscription, so we can't read the actual article, unfortunately. But I wanted to shout this out because does this make any sense to anybody? Like, this is completely backwards. Stocks rebound as economy shows signs of cooling. That is not how it's supposed to work. But I guess in this post-COVID environment with j nuclear Rate hiking bombing campaign, and that's something that we can expect. But it's garbage like this, like zero-day options are blamed for Wednesday's U.S. equity swoon. I mean, I don't know why they say swoon, like they're writing a fucking poem or something. But either way, whenever we don't know what happens in markets, just go ahead and blame zero-day options and their volatility because nobody on earth really understands what they do or their impact on markets. And anybody that does is 100% a scam artist. And I'm not saying that just because I don't understand them. Obviously, if I don't, nobody else does. So zero-day options were blamed for yesterday's move, aka nobody really knows what happened. Citigroup strategists recommend buying into the dips. So, you know, we don't give out recommendations here at the PL, but hey, feel free to take up Citigroup's word if you like to. I don't want to step on that content just yet. Let's go ahead and go back to the actual newsletter here. So, uh, like I said, it was a pretty rough day. The Russell 2000 led the way lower. Small caps sold off. They lost about 2.31%. And although WSO Alpha sold off too, they lost about 99 bips or almost a full percent on the day. They still managed to outperform. So this is a first time for everything. I guess a blind squirrel really does catch the nut once in a while. So good for those apes over at WSO Alpha. Let's go ahead down into the actual stories for the day today because we didn't have any banana bits. Like we said, it was the quietest day of the year. It felt like yesterday, nothing really going on. But we did get some data on existing home sales. Now, before we dive into the actual written piece, let's go ahead and check out that data over here. This is from Trading Economics. Great resource for actually getting that data, although it's expensive as hell if you want to export it. So 
probably don't sign up for it, but it's a great way to actually view uh, the data and the information like this. So as we can see, this is the important part. So October, we had about uh, 37.90, whereas last month we're at 3,820,000 existing home sales. Now, that's the first uptick that we've seen since about May of this year, and obviously a positive sign. We like to see that moving in the right direction. Keep in mind, the housing market moves fairly slowly, so a lot of these sales that have been executed would have been initiated a little while ago. But with that being said, housing also functions as a leading indicator to the overall economy. So seeing a continued and sustained uptake, one month definitely isn't good enough to form a trend. But if we're able to see a continued sustained uptake into January and into the new year, we'll be looking better. If we go ahead and take a look at the five-year chart, you can see we are at five-year lows, even below where we were at the absolute worst of the worst of the COVID pandemic. And then if we go back 10 years, you can see we're still at all-time lows. Now, we are in the territory that we were at back during the GFC days. Back when I was in about third or fourth grade, I mean, I remember those good times. You know, I kept telling my parents, get out of the housing market. we got to get out. There's a crash incoming. They didn't listen to me, but hey, we're all here today and we're all still alive. Uh, shout out to anybody who did purchase a house in the fourth grade. That's definitely going to be the best investment decision of all time. Besides maybe what we're going to talk about in a little bit and why I have this ridiculous background today. But before we get into that fun stuff, let's talk about some of the economic data yesterday. Homes for the homies. What are we talking about here? Exactly what we just looked at on that other site. We did see an uptake in existing home sales. Existing homes make up about 75 to 80% of the U.S. housing inventory. Typically, they make up more than 90%. But since the pandemic, builders have been going a little bit crazy with the actual uh, new homes built, especially compared to post-GFC trends. And so that's something we like to see. We don't know if it's going to actually be able to continue going forward, but it's a very similar function to what we see in the oil markets, right? Like, so when crude prices skyrocket, all these oil producing countries say, hey, we can sell this shit at a much higher price. So let's go ahead and produce as much as possible. That in turn will lower the price, but like everything in economics, it's a push and pull. It's no different in housing. It's a very similar kind of system here. So Overall, it was a 0.8% gain. Definitely doesn't sound like a lot, but coming off of 13 years lows is something that we love to see. Like we always say, apes, it's all about the trend. It's all about the direction more so than the level. But either way, the good thing here was that it does give us some sense of hope. Like we've been saying pretty much every live and every edition for the past three or four days, there is some hope to have in the housing market. So shout out to all the 20-somethings, all the Gen Z millennials out there looking to move out of their house. I don't know what's worse if it's being homeless or staying and living with your parents for, you know, a second longer. I mean, I don't know what I would rather have there, but shout out to anybody in either one of those positions. I mean, best of luck going forward. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and move down to who got lucky yesterday. These are some of the biggest movers on the day. Like we said, it was a pretty quiet day, especially when we're talking about to the upside, giving the absolute vomiting that Mr. Market did yesterday right around mid-afternoon. Digital assets did Obviously, there's no actual reason for it whatsoever because they don't really have any fundamentals over here. Bitcoin bulls, I want to see you guys in the chat telling me why I'm wrong on this, but stock to flow models and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It seems mostly like a Fugazi, like a Fugazi fairy dust to me, but either way, maybe I'm wrong. That is usually the case. So uh, what we saw yesterday was just an uptake. Michael Saylor got the people going. He's the CEO of MicroStrategy, basically a Bitcoin holding company that's uh, I mean, MicroStrategy essentially functions as a Bitcoin ETF already because they just hold the spot price. It essentially trades right alongside it. So this guy got the people going again. He came out and said something like uh, a spot Bitcoin ETF is like the biggest development in financial markets since like tulip mania or some ridiculous bullshit like that. That's why it's tough for traditional finance people to uh, really get a sense and kind of respect crypto because they say such outlandish things sometimes. But hey, we got to give respect where respect is due. We're definitely not haters of digital assets. 
keep in mind every time this thing goes down and doesn't die it only gets stronger so probably smart to have you know some kind of allocation here i don't know what that would be but hey definitely don't laugh at it but it's fun to laugh at the analysis that they bring out sometimes because there's absolutely no fundamentals here so after uh the typical no gains november that was certainly not the case this year they're going to continue to rip from october into november and then What's usually a dead December has actually been popping off quite a lot as well. A lot of people think we're going to be at 50 before we go into the new year. Again, who knows if that's actually true. There's very little fundamental basis here, but it's certainly fun to keep an eye on. Moving on down to something that actually has some fundamental drivers. We won't say that it makes sense because really nothing in the investing market seems to make sense. But hey, we're here for it anyway. Google came out yesterday with like the most sus and kind of shady announcement of all time, basically saying that there was going to be a shakeup to their ad business. Everybody and their mother assumed that that meant artificial intelligence is going to be implemented. And although we don't know what that means, investors basically think AI equals good. So fuck it, why not send the shares even higher? I think every CEO that actually has their shareholders' best interests at heart is going to come out on earnings calls and just sit there and just simply repeat AI over and over again. seems like that's going to be the only thing that actually takes shares higher and definitely well into the new year. Moving on down below to some of our more rotten performers of the day, CRISPR Therapeutics, one of the most innovative companies of the past ever, maybe. Uh, They came out, had a tough day. They were down over 9%. So this was a bit of a weird one. It was kind of speaking of sus things and shadiness over at Google. CRISPR really took that to another level yesterday. Essentially, nobody really knows what's going on here. But just a couple of days after getting their first FDA approval to launch a gene editing drug i don't know do you call it a drug treatment whatever the hell the word is but they announced they got this approval from the fda just a couple of days ago and immediately after chief medical officer which is apparently a thing at these companies fuang kong moro i hope i pronounced that correctly i really hope i didn't butcher that but she went ahead and resigned the company did say that it was not the result of any disagreement with the company which to me sounds like exactly what you would say if it was the result of a disagreement with the company so stay tuned on this one we don't really know what's going on because again it was shady and sus as hell but it was definitely an interesting trend to see Speaking of interesting trends, Winnebago absolutely fell apart. Remember when this thing was popping off when the pandemic started because everybody decided that nobody wants to live with their friends, family, or loved ones anymore. We couldn't stand being around them 24-7, and most of the time we can barely stand being around them for even five minutes. So it's definitely understandable. Winnebago was popping off, but they have fallen quite a bit from those heights, down 55 5.6% yesterday on a shit earnings report. So EPS of $1.06 missed the $1.20 estimate. Sales came in 20% lower than the same period last year, but that still did manage to beat estimates overall. The worst part that came in was one that missed sales number, because again, it's all about the demand right now. Investors want to make sure that your demand is still resilient enough, even through an economic slowdown. So that's what you're expecting in 2024. Uh, You know, the CEO of Winnebago seems to agree as he's projecting the continued sales slowdown into next year. We'll see if that actually materializes. Investors clearly weren't too hopeful yesterday. Moving on to the most important news of the day, obviously, is the Platinum Banana Award. Once again, the most prestigious award show in the entire world. Everybody's just been clamoring, dying to see if they can receive one this year. What we're talking about today is going to be the buy of the year. So what we're talking about here, not necessarily just the stock or just the investable asset that had the highest return. That would be boring and far too predictable. So we started to incorporate stuff, including my own personal biases and the things that I respect. So essentially what we were looking at here was what we thought the, and when I say we, obviously I mean I, but essentially what we thought 
was the best call to make last year, the most impressive purchase of an investable asset in 2023. So this is factoring in the position that was in, in late 2022 compared to where it is right now. And this was an obvious choice. But before we get into that, you know, of course, we had to discuss there's a couple of different ways to get rich, right? In this case, the buy of the year, that's getting incredibly lucky in the stock or investment market. Uh, but the other ways to do so are, of course, get a high paying job, start a kind of successful company. And most importantly, having rich parents, you know, like I said earlier, we don't give recommendations here at the Daily Peel, but today we're going to give our first official recommendation on how to get rich. Uh, my biggest piece of advice, the most surefire way to do so is to simply be born to a rich family. So definitely do that. If you didn't do that already, try reconsidering your birth, maybe. I don't know, just something to consider here. But let's go ahead and get down into the actual winner of the award. So the winner of the 2023 Platinum Banana Award for Buy of the Year, the most impressive purchase of an investable asset, none other than Carvana. That's why I got this ridiculous uh, background here today. Have one of those fucking car elevators that they use. There's no way that that can be capital efficient, by the way. I mean, look at this thing. Like, what kind of a scale would you need for that thing to actually pay off? But that's not what we're talking about right now. Carvana stock was up as of close yesterday, a very nice 1,069%. 0.83%, I guess. But first and foremost, congratulations to Carvana and their CEO. I'm sure it's an honor. I'm sure you guys are just absolutely in tears right now with how unbelievable this kind of stuff is. So good for you. Well-deserved. The reason that Carvana won is not just because of that return, but because of how garbage of a position the company was in last year. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the most boring documents on Earth, aka 10Q's earnings reports. So this should be the 10Q from... Uh, I believe this would be 2022. Yeah, so this is last December. This is their Q3 10Q as of last year. What we're essentially looking to see here is, uh, let's go ahead and take a look at some revenue items first. So revenue of $2.5 billion, that translated to a $508 million loss. If we scroll down or scroll up a little bit, we can see that interest expense of $153 million. Go ahead and find their EBITDA. We see that it's a lot lower down here. Have to control F for that, and I don't want to bore you guys too much here. So let's go ahead and move over to 2023. So taking another look at that uh, earnings report, that income, the P&L, basically that income statement, we can see the revenue did decline, but somehow the company was able to massively turn around profits. They lost $500 million for the same period last year, and were able to rake in $770 million this year despite the uh, massive reduction in actual revenue. So very interesting to see. Clearly, they did a good job following that Zuckerbergian playbook and knowing that cutting costs, firing people, ending livelihoods as quickly as possible would be the best way for success. And we're glad to see it. Definitely shareholders are glad to see it as well. A lot can happen in a year. So congratulations again to Carvana. The stock is up huge. Before we leave today, obviously, let's go ahead and check out the plain and simple stock price itself. Over the past year, it's up over 1,200%. So this is the full one-year chart, not just uh, the year-to-date chart. But this is essentially what we're looking at. Very impressive stuff. And once again, congratulations to Carvana and the team over there. The big question, what stock is it going to be next year? Is it even going to be a stock? Maybe it's going to be an investable asset. Something that's got to be pretty impressive. So something down in the dumps right now. Uh, something beyond just my you know love life, of course. So um, something else that's down in the dumps right now. And we'll definitely see what goes on next year. Carvana had the 10x. That's going to be tough to beat going forward. But hey, we'll be giving it a go. We'll be giving it out again in 2024. Looking forward to seeing you guys in 2025 at that point. Finally, before we let you go today, of course, got to get a wise investor says. Economist Larry Summer says most investors want to do today what they should have done yesterday. Just speaking about how people tend to chase rallies, kind of follow anything uh, that looks hot, looks interesting in the moment. I mean, sounds like me going out to bars on a Friday night, but hey. 
I can't say too much more on that. Either way, thank you, Abe, so much for joining us today. I know it was a little bit of a shorter one, but like we said, not a whole lot of news going on, not a whole lot uh, to discuss here, to tantalize you with as usual. But to all the apes out there that did join today, thanks so much for everything as always. Happy trading, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye now.